This could very well be a disastrous season of Greg Marshall proportions uh, in Ryderville. A.K.A. Sergeant Slaughter. Doesn't he look <laughs> he like the Sarge? Listen up, you puke. So, so if they go through another year like that, is uh, old Grandpa Ken Miller sitting around someplace to see does old Grandpa Ken's going to come back and fix this football team? Hey, by the way, he looks like classy Freddie Blassie. So, uh... <laughs> moral school wrestling. Reference. Sergeant Slaughter and Freddie Blassie uh, running the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Oh, does his wife look like Sensational Sherry? <laughs> They once drove to Vancouver from Edmonton to go to the Grey Cup in a Toyota Matrix with summer tires. While listening to the entire Tragically Hip discography, they love their Canadian football. John Fraser, a Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan and sports reporter from Saskatoon. Does this mean I have to start researching? And Travis Cura, a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan and radio announcer from Red Deer. Does anybody want to do fantasy dancing with the stars next uh, season? Bring you the Two and Out CFL podcast. Every week, Fraser and Cura will deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Can't forget the nonsense. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out Podcast. Ready, set, hunt! Welcome to Episode 5 of the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Man, uh, five episodes already. It's flying by. And we haven't quit. There was people out there, including Boss Man Grant on Twitter, that thought we would call it quits, but we are surviving we are keeping on absolutely and it is fraser and Kura, by the way uh boss man grant he's actually in the two and out cfl podcast pick'em group on cfl.ca so <laughs> we will we'll be around all season and we'll show him what's up when it comes to the pick'em at least i hope so uh, well we're not folding up the tent anytime soon we are uh you and i both work early mornings and we're recording this in a late evening that is how dedicated we are Yep, and Monday night was the Two and Out CFL Podcast Fantasy League, and I'm actually, I'm going to say I'm pretty happy with how our team's looking. I'm thrilled. Uh, you did a majority of the gra- drafting. I had a prior engagement. You were, uh, you and I were texting back and forth, though. Lots of engagement, lots of uh, thoughts uh, that we share. And I can't believe I'm in three drafts this year, and I have Matt Walter in all three of them. <laughs> yeah, and you were big on that. You're big on Cornish not playing 18 games, so you're big on having Walter on your team. Well, I love having Walter on your team because it gives you two options. Either you can sit on him and hold him because, let's face it, uh, Calgary's going to be good enough this year that there's going to come a point that either because of record or because of injury, and John Cornish has a bit of a history of that, he's not going to play. So uh, having Matt Walter in one league, I'm pulling the option of I'm just leaving him on my bench, hoping Cornish goes down and, and going to start him. In another league, I'm, I'm currently in trade discussions with a guy who has John Cornish to try to get some value value out of, out of Matt Walter that I might not get anywhere else. And you are in three leagues, right? Yes. Um, have you noticed, I don't know, I've done two drafts, and I have noticed that Tyrell Sutton from the Montreal Alouettes, severely underrated. Uh, I haven't uh, found that quite as much. Uh, one of the leagues I'm in is a uh, is a keeper league, and I was uh, unfortunately unable to make the draft, and uh, I got completely sandbagged by the guy who did the drafting for me, so I've been so angry with that league, I haven't even looked at uh, how the draft oh, shook no. down, but uh, I know in our league, uh, Tyrell Sutton was undervalued until you went out and got him, just like you did with everybody I had on my sleepers list. 
<laughs> yeah, because we're we're in two leagues together, and the other league we did, I think every single person you had in your list, I I snagged him right before you. But that that's the beauty of fantasy football, I think. Uh, that was me not wanting to go a little early on some of those sleeper picks, and you taking advantage, and, and me literally just stewing. And I'm sure your phone got sick of blowing up after every <laughs> single time. It was nonstop. It was it was just bzz, bzz, you whatsoever you are. So this is what our team is looking like for the podcast league. And there were some funny things. I think Eskimo fans are crazy. In our league, uh, Odell Willis went third overall. <laughs> and then in the podcast league, J.C. Sherritt went in the third round. But but the same th- you have to full disclosure on Odell Willis going in the first round. <laughs> this is the same guy that took Chad Ochocinco, I think, like third overall last year, and That's still true. somehow finished fourth. <laughs> I, I don't know how it happened, but I, he got lucky towards the end of the season. I think maybe we should be letting him host the podcast if he can win <laughs> nearly win a league, make the playoffs in a league where he took Chad Ochocinco with his first round pick. It's funny. I, I, this year, I don't know if there has been a consensus number one in in the podcast league. Dylan took Andrew Harris number one, and I can't really argue that. I had the number one pick in another league, and I took the Calgary quarterbacks. I, I don't think I don't think there really is a wrong pick either way. But if you had number one, where would you go? Well, I would have gone with the guy I ended up with in our personal league, the one you and I go head to head in instead of co-managing the team like the fantasy, like the two and out podcast league. I went with Adarius Bowman. Uh, I actually went this year in our uh, in our draft where I run my own team. I took receivers. I think four to the f- out of the first five rounds, I went receiver in four of them because that is there was not a bad strategy. <laughs> and you know what? There was just there was a ton of available talent at one point. Luke Tasker was still on the board, and I think he was either a fourth or fifth round, and I had another guy lined up. I was going to go with a linebacker, and I looked, and I just kept seeing Luke Tasker's name, and I'm like, I can't say no to a guy who had such a great season at Hamilton last year for a contending Tiger Cats team that lost some of their receiving targets this year and should be the number one uh, target of Zach Caleros. I have noticed this year a defensive line is actually quite a deep position when it when it comes to drafting, so I, I I don't feel bad about the defensive linemen we got. I mean, in the podcast league, Charleston Hughes, Marcus Howard, Gabriel Napton, and Justin Hickman. If that was a defensive line on any team, <laughs> it, it would be scary. the The rest of the team, of course, we've got the Calgary quarterbacks: Tyrell Sutton, kickers from BC; Andy Fantuz, Clarence Denmark; Jeff Fuller. That rounds out the offense, and then Shea Emery, Simone Lawrence. Jarrell Gavins, and Aaron Grimes. So I really like the team, and I think we're going to show these listeners what's up. So what? So on top of uh, winning a Take 10 and a dozen donuts, three of which have to be maple, uh, does does the winner of our league get like, uh, like a cameo on our show? Do they get to be like an interview? I think we should put that on the line. I'm so confident in our team that we won't even have to worry about uh, calling anybody else to come on this here podcast. You and me will be bathing in Tim's coffee. We're going to win this bad boy. (laughs) We're going to drive to a halfway point between Saskatoon and Red Deer. You bring the donuts, I'll bring the coffee, and we'll pour it all over each other like champagne because it'll probably (laughs) cool down by then. Let's get to the news. In the Huddle with Fraser and Kura on the 2 and Out podcast. 
right. Cut down day was on Saturday, and as there is every single year, there's always some surprising cuts from basically every team across the league. Now, we're going to keep the rider cuts until last. In Calgary, Eric Taylor is sent packing, and that guy, he can blow up any offensive line. So I, I, I can see him coming up with a job pretty soon. Well, I think that speaks to, and you kind of mentioned it uh, at the defensive line position, fantasy-wise, that kind of the depth all around the entire CFL. I mean, you look at Jason Vega leaving the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers as well. We'll get to that in a moment, but he's already re-signed with the Toronto Argonauts, and there's a handful of guys, and and, and he's one of them that I'm looking at going, the first season-ending injury, somebody's going to give him a phone call, especially at a a position that is typically dominated by imports. We are going to talk riders a little bit later, but you look at that rider defensive line right now, Hall, Chick, and George, they're all imports. They don't really have a lot of backups behind them. Uh, Taylor, to me, could be a guy that if one of those guys goes down for the long term and has to be six-gamed, maybe uh, Brennan Tamman reaches out and says, uh, you know, places a phone call to a guy who's unemployed. DeMonte Bolden also cut, and Lin J. Shell, who I think is actually one of the most underrated defensive backs in the entire CFL, and the guy just can't seem to catch a break. He got cut loose in Toronto, cut in BC, now he's cut in uh, Calgary. It's got to be a numbers thing, whether it's ratio or cap, but he's a heck of a player. He's already got a job in Winnipeg. He's on their practice roster, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him on the 46 uh, sometime soon this season. Yeah, he'll be on the 46 very, very soon. I think it's just a matter of him maybe taking a week or so to learn the Richie Hall defense uh, in Winnipeg. But I'm really seeing a trend with this guy. Like you said, uh, he was great in Toronto 2010-11 and and then released by the Argos during the 11-12 season. He was in BC, and then he... he, The BC seemed to go young during that uh, offseason in uh, 13-14. He caught on with Calgary, but, uh, I mean, he didn't have great stats last year. He'll be 30 in October, so they maybe figured they were better going on, going a little younger in that secondary, and that Calgary secondary is pretty deep, so I, I think he's going to bring some nice veteran presence to the Bombers, but it's a question mark to me if he still has anything left in the tank. Yeah, Joe Burnett came in from Edmonton to Calgary, so I think that kind of made Lin Jay pretty expendable there. They also let Keith Tostin go, who was very hyped in Ryder Camp last year, and it took him the whole year to see the field. It was very surprising because of all the fumble issues in Saskatchewan uh, early in the year with Allen and Ford and all those guys. It was surprising that it took Tostin so long to see the field, but of course there's the Canadian factor in Calgary with Cornish in the backfield so he's a beast I I think he deserves to be starting somewhere he does and to me I was actually at the Stampeders Riders exhibition game on Saturday and to outside of Cornish who of course is always going to look incredible whenever you see him live Tostin didn't look like that much of a drop but you alluded it to it there Trev Uh, Calgary has decided that it's going to be a Canadian position at running back with Cornish behind and Matt Walter behind him i i can't figure out i watched him in training camp firsthand with the riders he looked like their most impressive back he's big he's strong he's physical he can block i don't know what it is with this guy he didn't see the field at all and look good in calgary and still ends up getting released so somebody 
could find, you know, I, I'm sure, starting to think of the Winnipeg running back situation doesn't work out. He might be a guy that they sign. Maybe Chad Simpson doesn't work out in Edmonton. He could be another guy uh, up there. But to me, he's de- he definitely deserves a shot. I mean, he's a, he's to me, he's a very talented player, and I've been able to watch him firsthand. One more team that had a lot of shocking moves was the Montreal Alouettes. We'll get to them in a second. Winnipeg cut Carlos Anderson, and he had a great camp, and... You know what? I thought he would crack the roster there. It's really too bad. And then Mark Dial got cut. That one shocked me because they needed an upgraded offensive line badly. Yeah, but it looks like they're really going to go non-import heavy in uh, in Winnipeg. So Dial, again, he was signed on like the first day of free agency and just never seemed to really uh, fit in during Blue Bomber training camp. But it looks as though they're going at least uh, three Canadians along that offensive line. And if they decided that Dial wasn't one of the best uh, best two Americans that they're going to roll out there, I, you know, it, it's hard sometimes with the passport coming into it. I know a lot of coaches say, oh, yeah, the passport doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's just a matter of, you know, if you can play, we're going to put you on the field. But I think Dial was part of the ratio numbers game in Winnipeg. And, again, it just floors me that a guy you sign early in the offseason, you end up letting him go yeah. on uh, cutdown day. In Edmonton, a uh, veteran receiver, Paris Jackson, um, he, he got cut loose. Justin Goltz is gone as well. Paris Jackson is just disappointing to me because I'm actually uh, just a fan of him as a person. Um, I was living in Cold Lake, Alberta, and the, the BC Lions, I know they beat your team, uh, yes. the Big Blue Bombers, in 2011, but J.R. LaRose had some family around there. So they brought the Grey Cup up, and uh, Paris Jackson and J.R. LaRose hung out at this sports bar in Cold Lake, Alberta, and just talked to CFL with any fans that showed up. He was like the coolest guy I had ever met, and that was actually shortly after Lynn J. Shell got released, and uh, Paris Jackson had some choice words that I won't say about Jim Barker. (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought was funny, but he just got extended. I I remember you randomly sending me a uh, picture message of you with the Grey Cup, and I could not figure it out because I'm like, well, aren't you doing karaoke at a bar in Cold Lake tonight? Yes. I I couldn't wrap my head around it, and it is tough to see, uh, again, from all accounts, a great person. He's not one of those guys you hear a lot bad out of, but uh, just clearly didn't really have anything left in the tank, and uh, that was evident through training camp. That was evident through the end of last year. Uh, Justin Goltz can go back to, uh, you know, start and Snickers commercials uh, <laughs> now that the quarterbacking thing doesn't work out. But he's a great running quarterback, but uh, watching him firsthand for a lot of time in Winnipeg, I don't think he can really throw. I mean, you know, he's got a great smile, and uh, he can probably get all the ladies he wants, but uh, as far as throwing the ball, he's not so good at it. The, the number one surprise to me, actually, in Edmonton uh, is Shakir Bell, a guy you and I were both high on actually going to the practice roster. He had his second game, uh, the second game in the preseason, he had a great showing. Yeah. He looked great. So I, I thought he was going to crack the roster. Now, for game one, it looks like Kendall Lawrence is not going to make the roster. I think he's a little bit banged up. So Bell will probably get on it. And I do think that even though Chad Simpson has the job heading into the season, that leash isn't very long. No, and it, it won't be. And Chad Simpson has had some injury issues, so you're always going to want to make sure that you've got capable backups there. I know that was one thing Winnipeg didn't have when they had Chad Simpson in their lineup, they didn't have anybody backing him up, really. Uh, that's actually how they discovered Nick Grigsby, though, uh, who then they also let go. But, uh, 
Chad Simpson, you always got to watch out for those injuries. I have him on one of my teams. I'm not exactly thrilled with having him there, but he's a high-ceiling guy that, as long as he stays healthy, could do something. In Montreal, um, a lot of veterans getting cut loose. Now, first of all, Brandon Whitaker. Now, he had the big year in 2011. He had 1,300 yards rushing, but then ever since then, Injuries, injuries, injuries. So he has been cut loose. Obviously, last year, at the end of the year, Tyrell Sutton looked great. He had 500 yards, 96 carries. So obviously, he's going to get the chance to uh, go with that. Brandon Whitaker already has a job, though, in Toronto, who is... (laughs) <laughs> they've been signing everyone. <laughs> yeah, they they basically, if you've been cut, you're a CFL veteran, come to Toronto, we got a spot for you. It's going to be interesting to see how some of these guys work out with a chip on their shoulder. I still think Whitaker has some game left, but uh, just too unreliable because of the injury concerns. And you're not going to believe it, Travis. The league that I had a friend draft for me that I got sandbagged, guess who I ended up with that running back? No. I ended up with Brandon Whitaker. This is three years in a row. I've had Brandon Whitaker on a, on, on a team, and he he has completely submarined my season three years in a row, and I'm not happy about it. So I'm already trying to trade him in that league, but nobody wants him, and I can't figure out why. Oh. <laughs> friends don't let friends draft for you. <laughs> oh, But see, at least I know you wouldn't sandbag me. At least I don't yeah. think you would. <laughs> well, <laughs> Jeff Tisdale all also cut loose. Now, I've done a lot of reading on him, and it looks like it's just a case of those new rules. Of course, he, he's a very physical defensive back, and the new yep. rules just having trouble getting used to not being able to touch the receivers. Well, I think a lot of defensive backs are going to be in that position, and you're probably going to see a lot of these guys let go. Maybe not now. Maybe it wasn't quite as noticeable as it was with Tisdale. The one I got some texts uh, from some friends of ours on was Khalif Mitchell, which I think he can still play, but with the negative attention he always seems to bring by just doing dumb stuff, whether it's on social media. I think that's exactly what it is. Like He should not be on Twitter. No, he should. If I'm a team that's going to sign Khalif Mitchell, I'm going to tell him, okay, Khalif, you're going to suspend your Twitter account until we're all done here, okay? Bye bye. <laughs> no more little birdie birdie for you. All right, John, let's get to the Riders' cuts. And now I don't know if this is kind of uh, overstated because, let's face it, Rider fans are pretty vocal. And if they get attached to somebody, they're going to go nuts either way. Yep. But I do think it was very warranted for at least one of the cuts that they made at training camp. Well, I would agree on a couple of fronts. Alex Pershalski still floors me that they got rid of him. I mean, A, they drafted this kid. He was a high draft pick in the 2014 draft. And on top of that, he looked like he could play. Like, I started seeing a lot of, like, he started looking like a real young Chris Getzloff out there. Again, not the speediest guy all the time, but he made the big catches. He's a big body. On top of that, Paul Waldo got released. That's a fan favorite. He's been a special teams beast. But uh, that one there with Paul, I guess they're just going in a younger direction. Basically, Matt Webster uh, stepped up and and kept his job. And the thing you have to remember with Saskatchewan, too, they ended up keeping uh, the two linebackers, Jeff Knox uh, and uh, the other guy's name is Clark. uh, Yes. And the other guy, yeah. So they kept those two guys and went with Ray Early at punter. So, I mean, that's also why you see Hugh O'Neill's out on the the scrap heap. But it surprises me the amount of young offensive linemen they let go. (laughs) Isn't it ironic that they went? They let Paul Waldo go because they wanted to go in a younger direction, but the young offensive lineman and the young receivers got canned. 
Yeah, that... it really surprised me. And I mean, Saskatchewan has always been that team known for, you know, winning the battle in the trenches. They had the best O line, the best homegrown offensive line for how many years. And now you're looking and all these guys they released, they must not have saw a whole heck of a lot out of these guys. But Saskatchewan's depth is one thing that really concerns me, especially along that, that offensive line. Uh, I, I feel bad for Paul Waldo. He's one of the nicest guys in the business. Uh, he's, He's out there. He, I guess he's pursuing some things with some other CFL teams. But you know, at some at some point, you know, you have you have to wonder: is it done for him? I mean, he's a fairly successful realtor already in Regina. He was already looking afterwards. Another guy that surprised me a little bit. Uh, another young receiver is Greg Harden. A lot of talk about this guy when he came in because he was the guy that broke the Dressler records. I definitely thought he was going to crack the roster, at least the practice roster there in Saskatchewan, because I think a lot of people thought Jamel Richardson was going to be expendable unless he showed something in camp where he was going to be the old Jamel, where he was just the the most dominant receiver in the league. Now he just kind of looks... Do you remember when they brought Claremont in for BC? He just reminds me of that, and that's not... (laughs) But the thing is with with Jamel, I think him and Durant quickly, and it was obvious from day one at training camp, I was there, the two of them clicked very early on. Corey Chamberlain said it to the media, he's like, Jamel is not going to be the same Jamel that had all those, you know, prolific receiving seasons, but he is going to be this Jamel, and that's what we expect him to be. Uh, The Riders a little late on putting out their practice for us, that was announced today, like I said, uh, Greg Harden. Maybe he's another guy uh, like Prashalski that was looking for work elsewhere, thinking that, you know, he belongs. Uh, they did keep uh, Alex Carroll, one of the young receivers, as long with uh, Nam and uh, Roosevelt. There's another guy they kept that really impressed me during camp. So, I mean, the Riders have some... Uh, they're probably happy that some of those guys, like Roosevelt, Carroll, uh, Matt Vonk, all decided to s- stick around on the practice roster rather than trying to go elsewhere. Is that maybe what happened with Przalski? He was just kind of like, nah, I don't think I want to do practice roster. Because I watched those two preseason games against Edmonton and Calgary, and he looks like he will fight for yards. And he is a guy that you want on your team. (laughs) Maybe he was like, hey, look, I deserve a starting gig, and clearly he did, because I don't think he was out of job for 24 hours. No, he ended up with the all caps pretty quickly, and I can tell you with Prashalski, I don't know where I read it today, but I know he was uh, critical of the rider organization on the way that uh, he felt he wasn't given a fair shake in training camp, and I mean, I think that's painfully obvious, but as soon as the riders decided they were only keeping three Canadian receivers, uh, rookie, like their first round draft pick, rookie Nick Dembski showed that he can do so many things. I don't know if Pershalski was exactly the best on special teams. If there is a knock against the guy, I mean, the Riders are so deep at returner, but I think he's going to do some good things in Ottawa. And I mean, uh, I, he wouldn't be a guy I go after fantasy-wise now, but he'd be a guy to, you know, keep my eye on at least in the future. You know, wait till he has. If he starts having a big game or two, that's when you try to get him on your waiver wire. I'm wondering if he's going to back up Sinopoli in Ottawa. Well, if he's backing up Sinopoli, I know I called Brad Sinopoli a dark horse. He's a guy I'm really high on and have been most of this fantasy season. Uh, he's one guy on my watch list. I didn't end up with him because, again, in, in most of my drafts, the kind of Canadian depth I have at receiver, I, I wasn't good. I didn't need to take the flyer on Brad Sinopoli, but I can definitely tell you that. Uh, 
if Sinopoli is battling with Prashalski for a job, that one uh, that one will be interesting in the coming days and weeks here in Ottawa. Yeah, because uh, Campbell did say in Ottawa that I know training camp's over, but not everything is decided. So there are still some job openings, I think, with the all caps. Well, especially when when in Ottawa, you you look at that team. I mean, they had they had such a poor season last year, and they played their two, uh, especially when they play their two preseason games before anybody's made any cuts. How can you really know what's going on with these guys? You know, only seeing them in two preseason games, and you had such a big roster. And those preseason games, they were like. Weren't they like four days apart? <laughs> <laughs> some some sort of weird scheduling some, quirk. Was, I'm sure the Argos probably couldn't uh, probably couldn't get anybody in there for the right uh, <laughs> for for a prime night. Yeah. Now you got a bold prediction coming up late in the show. We're each going to give one that we think is going to happen this year. We will get to that later. But Darian Durant made a very bold prediction saying that he wants to throw for 6,000 yards. Now, let's put this in perspective. <laughs> Doug Flutie did it twice. Okay. So that that shows you how hard it is. <laughs> well, when, I, when is the last if, time it happened? It has been, I don't think Calvillo did it. No, Calvillo never did it, even in all those years with Richardson. And again, the Riders, if their old guys can stay healthy and continue to produce like they have in previous years, like all their receivers, I think Durant's going to have that chance. I mean, it's the Jacques Chapelain offense runs a lot on a lot of underneath stuff, a lot of short passes, and it's into the receiver's hands to make plays. So if you've got guys like Rob Bag and Weston Dressler who are still able to make plays... I think that you're going to see a lot of yards after the catch, and I don't know with the new with the new rules, it might be doable. I'm not i i wouldn't I wouldn't bet on it, but I do think passing numbers for the top top tier quarterbacks like Durant, who will be healthy, are definitely. Uh, I mean, you could see some huge numbers. Now, uh, John, what did you notice from the last preseason games? For me, uh, the number one thing I, I saw was uh, again, I, I didn't watch any of the web feeds because I ha- I was in uh, Saskatchewan, I was in Regina on Friday night, uh, managed to just avoid the hailstorm before the game. I was on. <laughs> I just checked into my hotel, me and my wife, when uh, when the hailstorm came down. So by the time we got to the stadium, everything was fine and good. Uh, I can tell you, if I'm the Riders right now, I'm a little concerned if somebody goes down. When the Riders starters were in, they were they were keeping up and actually leading the Calgary starters. They looked like the better of the two football teams. I'm not going to lie, but it was well, the they minute- did and, until the fourth quarter, and uh, that was the same against Edmonton as well. Well, and it's just it's it's the depth that they're bringing in, and then they made some questionable cuts, in my opinions. Again, we're going to get to some of those, but the number one for me was them letting go of Alex Prochalski. I still can't wrap my head around that one. I don't uh, I don't question Brendan Tamman a lot. He seems to really know what he's doing, but that one, I'm just going, man, like what what was he thinking there? So if I'm a Riders fan, there are certain positions that. If you're if the starters start going down, they could be in a world of hurt. I'm looking along the offensive line. I'm not seeing the kind of uh, depth from from below coming up there. Uh, some of the decisions they made at receiver, they're very deep at receiver. Uh, but if one of their Canadians goes down, I think they could be in a little bit of trouble. I know Nick Dembski has some great upside. Uh, Calgary to me just deep. Calgary will just do what Calgary does. They've always it just seems since John Huffnagel took over, uh, he literally scares me. Uh, I. Would not want to meet him alone in an alley, uh, but 
Hoffnagel always seems to have that next guy up. Calgary, it's just a system, whether it's Bo Levi Mitchell under center or Drew Tate or whether it's John Cornisher or Matt Walter. There's even along the offensive line and secondary and everywhere you look, you go, well, holy crap, that's not that much of a drop-off with the Calgary Stampeders. They, their depth continues to just blow me away that they continue to find these guys and, and, and put such a strong team together. The biggest things I noticed, especially from that game, Durant's elbow looks great. Oh, it's fine. Oh, it's great. Looks awesome. Um, in BC, I was actually shocked by how Lule did. See, I didn't. I didn't even get a chance to uh, to peruse the stats afterwards. You're gonna have to give me the play by play of that one, there, Trav. He did great, and now I I don't have the stats written down, but it was something like ten of twelve, and uh, <laughs> he, he he gives me a little bit of hope. Now, if if I was stuck picking at the end of a draft, um, I might put BC above Toronto's quarterbacks now. Interesting. Be, be, yeah, I did. I did hear he did well, and I'm glad to see he's doing well because you don't want to see you know a guy's career end because of injury. I would still be a little concerned because to me, Lule is one hit away from his uh, shoulder being turned back into spaghetti. Meanwhile, Ricky Ray, you know, at some point uh, is going to come back in. Uh, by the way, Lule in the last preseason game, eight for thirteen, one twenty-one, uh, and a touchdown in an eighteen thirteen loss to the Edmonton Eskimos. I will say this about Toronto too: they played Montreal on Thursday, and I was shocked by how fired up and hungry that they look. Now, some of these guys were fighting for jobs, but that Mm -hmm. Toronto secondary actually looks very dangerous. Uh, A.J. Jefferson, I picked him up in our personal fantasy league because he had a pick, and he just looked like he was all over the field. There's going to be some surprising moments from Toronto now. I I think that they're better than everybody thinks they are well and, and Toronto's secondary too though I wouldn't I wouldn't be so quite as high as them as you are only because I think that there's only genuinely one good team in the east and I've said it before I think Hamilton's the only good team and I I think Jonathan Crompton who plays Toronto a lot is going to be throwing up a lot of meatballs for them same with Henry Burris or Thomas DeMarco whatever direction the the all caps go those teams in the east are going to play each other a lot and I think I do think Toronto's secondary is good. I don't know if they're as good uh, as they look. Uh, their real test will be when they play uh, again at Calgary, Edmonton, um, or, or Hamilton. Absolutely. Uh, some other news out of Toronto: Jim Barker and Scott Milanovic uh, they got extended, which is awesome. So the new owners already getting some stability in but, that but- team. Here's the thing that confuses me on that one. The statement I read said they're going to get three years extensions when Bell takes over. Bell isn't going to take over as owner of the team until late this year. Right. What happens if they crap their diapers between now and then? Do they take the extensions off the table? That That is interesting because I there was all kinds of rumors that if this – if the things kept the way that they were going in Toronto with them, you know, practicing all over Timbuktu, that Milanovic was basically done there. He was like, this is this is this is Bush League. Basically. Well, they didn't they didn't have an office. I mean, they didn't have yeah. office space. They didn't have a marketing staff. They didn't have, you know, and I get it. It's not uncommon. I mean, it's a it's not a well-known fact, but the writers, even in Regina, have three different offices right now. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's they're looking forward to moving into New Mosaic Stadium because of the fact they'll finally all be in one spot. And I think the Toronto Argonauts are because they've got that practice field, which they just built uh, near the I believe it's University of Toronto. They're getting into BMO field. Finally, there's some stability on that organization. And they can start making strides in the right direction. But if you were Scott Milanovic, you know, you've won a Grey Cup. You've generally been a success everywhere you've been as a coordinator and a head coach. If you didn't like the situation you'd be in, I'd be making noise, too. I'd be the first one to walk out after no contract. I'm sure there'd be a, a teams lining up to hire him. Let's get back to the cuts for a bit. I don't know if you saw it, but I have so much respect for Jonathan Crompton, and not necessarily his playing style, but that flow. Man, that hair. <laughs> and it's gone. It is gone. <laughs> it is gone, but it's gone for a good cause with yeah. Jonathan Crompton shaving it off. Uh, it was a basically locks, uh, locks of love or, or whatever, so uh, a, a hat tip to Jonathan Crompton, and uh, I am definitely going to miss seeing that uh, that flow peeking out the back of his helmet when he's uh chucking up bombs for the Alouettes this year. Maybe it's going to be like a reverse like Samson effect, because when he cut his hair, he was terrible. Maybe Crompton <laughs> kind of... He blooms from being a game manager. Maybe he's going to turn into like Calview this year. Well, that'd be great, considering <laughs> I am one of my fantasy teams, and potentially two of them, But uh, and especially all uh, I've been sitting here on this podcast saying, oh, yeah, I don't think he's going to do anything. So maybe his hair was magical, though, Travis, and he's all of a sudden going to go out there and completely forget how to play football. Is that possible? Did you watch their preseason game? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he had to change something up after that, uh, that preseason in Montreal, so. Yeah, no kidding uh last night was one of the i think the funnest programs that we hear all year the cfl uh, top 50 players now i don't envy the guys that have to vote in this no neither do i <laughs> I, I i i look at the voting criteria and when tsn puts it together yeah they have to you have to actually pick the top 50 players in the league regardless of position and rank them that's man that is that's tough. I mean, I know you and I are knowledgeable guys in the league, but jeez. Uh, <laughs> to put them all in order, I think, would be uh, super and difficult. That's, and that's what these guys had to do. Yeah, I know. And uh, there's always talk these days that the CFL doesn't have its big stars, especially when it comes to quarterbacks. But when yeah. I look at the top 10 of this top 50, I don't think... The Canadian Football League is lacking stars at all. Maybe on the quarterback side a little bit, but, man, there is some talent in this league. So coming in at number 10, one of the most exciting players in the CFL, I don't think anyone can de deny that, nope. Brandon Banks. And I want to go back to your point. Let's let's back it up to 11, only because you mentioned the point with quarterbacks. And if we back it up to 11, that's Zach Caleros yeah. uh, with Hamilton. Uh, and if you make it a top 11, that's where you're really going to see some of the talent. But I'm with you, Brandon Banks. He's a guy to me. I love just every time there's a punt. Normally, you know, punts, it's <laughs> like, all right, I'm going to go grab another beer and some chips, maybe some pretzels. But every time the ball's punted to Brandon Banks, he's one of those guys that I make sure I don't get up from my TV. He's just so dynamic and you know it's going to be interesting to see how they work him into uh, into the offense more maybe as a wide receiver because I think these new rules he could go absolutely bananas this year that's the thing uh, about the the game now they've changed the rules when it comes to the tempo they have changed the CFL rules when are we going to be able to get a beer it's going to be <laughs> nuts at halftime <laughs> when we watch our 15th Wendy's commercial of the uh, game <laughs> 
Uh, number nine, Chad Owens, the flying Hawaiian. You can't really uh, deny that. I, I do think maybe we see the decline of Chad Owens starting this year or next. Just the amount of work that he has had over the past years. That guy has been, he's been basically the Toronto Argonauts. Well, I, I think maybe last year was the year you saw his body break down. He only yeah. played 11 games because of injury, and he still put up ridiculous numbers. He was nearly 1,000 yards receiving, over 1,300 uh, on his uh, overall returns, and that's only playing 11 games. I'm going to disagree with you, Trav. I don't think he's slowing down one bit. I think missing a little bit of time with injury last year will be good for his legs and his overall health. I could see him going over 2,000 all-purpose yards again this year. I do think he uh, he might have to change his playing style a little bit because he takes the hits no matter what. Yeah, so. <laughs> and he's he's almost one of those, you know, we always talk about quarterbacks that have to change their playing style because of that reckless abandon, and maybe he is one guy that you have to look at it and maybe just relaxing a little bit, but that playing style is what has made him so darn good. Yeah. And like I said, over 2,000 all-purpose <laughs> yards in just 11 games. That's almost 200 yards a game. That's insane. And speaking of guys that play with reckless abandon, number eight, Mike Riley. Yep. And I could actually see, now we talk about Caleros, I could see Riley and Caleros both making the top five next year because I know we're talking about, you know, quarterback talent being down. Those are guys that are on the brink of absolutely exploding in the Canadian Football League. And I don't think quarterback talent is is down as a whole, especially when I look at the top 50 players. Look at every team, and again, health is always a big question mark, but go through the CFL right now, and there, there are some teams that are, to me, Edmonton's deep at quarterback. Riley's a special player. Matt Nichols is a nice backup. Bo Levi Mitchell, who we'll get to in a moment, is a special player. Drew Tate's a nice backup. Darian Durant is a special player. And again, he's got Kevin Glenn there. So you're starting to look. You're like, okay, well, there's actually some guys here that are top-end talents with guys behind them. And then if you look at some other markets, Travis Lule, if he stays healthy, can be a top-ten player. Drew Willie's the same thing. I think he makes a jump this year because I think the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are going to do a better job of keeping him upright. I think, and, and I think a lot of our drafts we've been in reflect this. The only question marks are Henry Burst because of his age and Jonathan Crompton because he hasn't started for a full season. But if both those guys continue playing at the level Maybe not Burr. I mean, then again, Burr's basically had you and me as wideouts last year. But <laughs> a guy like Crompton, to me, can move into that conversation of, okay, there's a solid starting quarterback in every single city in Canada. We're not. There's no more picking up Nelon Green or Michael Bishop off the scrap heap these days. It seems like there's actually some talent there. I mean... Uh, I remember how many times it's, oh, quarterback struggling. Let's bring in Stephen Giles and Michael Bishop. Winnipeg Blue Bomber legends right there. <laughs> Eskimos legends. Eskimos <laughs> legends. Argonauts legends. <laughs> well, Bishop, he could throw 110 yards, but he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. No, he couldn't. He was like, I remember when I first started playing Madden as a young man, and all I would do is just, I'd call Hail Marys and just chuck it deep, chuck it deep, chuck it deep. <laughs> and sometimes I'd beat the computer that way, and that was basically Michael. Bishop. Yep, yep. Uh, number seven is Darian Durant. If that guy stays healthy, he can take over football games and uh, win games for Saskatchewan. So uh, it's, it's nice to see him healthy. Number six, another rough rider, John Chick, another guy that, man, he just blows up any oh. offensive lineman. 
Uh, John Chick, to me, I, I've got a great story about him. I met him uh, at, at a dinner. We had a sports dinner here in Saskatoon, and I managed to actually, in a very social, casual setting, I was hanging out with some, some, some friends of mine that are in the Kinsman Club here in Saskatoon and John Chick, and these guys all thought it'd be hilarious. Oh, yeah, look, hey, look, this guy is a Bomber fan. <laughs> and Chick obviously knows I cover the team, and he looks at me. It wasn't rage. It was sad puppy dog eyes. He's like, why, why don't you cheer for us? We're a great bunch of guys. You cover us. How can you not cheer for us? Oh, when a guy that size looks at you like that, it's almost like, oh. I didn't know what to say. I wanted to kind of like, can I hug you? I'm sorry. Uh, My family's from Manitoba. I felt genuinely bad. So, I mean, I've always, John Chick to me, I I, I love watching him. I love dealing with him uh, in the media. Always a smile on his face and uh, and, and a great guy. And a class move by him and by the Rough Rider organization. Uh, He missed the second preseason game. Uh, because he was the best man at his brother's wedding. That's and cool. the, the writers letting him do that, and him, of course, stepping up and saying, hey, you know, I really want to do this. So, Number five is Ricky Ray. Now it does look like Toronto is kind of preparing for the worst. Yeah, it's really interesting with this, uh, the cloak and dagger around his arm injury. We still don't know when he's coming back. Normally, you know, you get teams that'll confidently say, hey, he's he's going to be back. He's he's on the sixth game, and but he'll be back. But uh, I don't know about Ricky Ray. You and I, I don't know if he's going to be back before Labor Day. Yeah, I think he's going to be out longer than uh, they're letting on for sure. Uh, Darius Bowman coming in at number four receiver for the Eskimos last year had an amazing year and he always kind of showed that he had that potential but he he, he gets a case, case of the dropsies every now and then last year he, he figured that out I think yeah he absolutely did one of the smartest things that uh, they ever did in Edmonton was moving him into the slot so he has less time to think when it, when the pass gets thrown to him he just reacts and his natural talents take over and I mean I think that was a big part of his career year last year but uh, he's another exciting player to watch but he's one guy that uh, I'd always be a little concerned about because if he starts showing signs of the dropsies that's maybe a guy as far as fantasy is concerned you could get rid of while his value is absolutely sky high just in case this backs out yeah i i I had a number one pick in a draft last year and i i didn't take him i think he's gonna have another big year last year he did have fred stamps who had an off year but team still respected him enough to draw the coverage away from bowman uh number three one of my favorite players in the league solomon alamimian i was staying at the same hotel as him in in the gray cup last year yeah and i saw him throughout the weekend and, you know, I'm I'm a green idiot. I'm like, man, this guy doesn't want to talk to me. So I'd see him at the Continental Breakfast every morning. And then finally, uh, I think it was either Grey Cup Sunday or the day before. I'm like, man, can I get a picture with you? And he was so cool about it. And, of course, he won the Most Outstanding Player Award. That's unheard of for a defensive player. So yep. he's definitely deserving of being in the top three. Number one and two. Calgary Stampeders. John Cornish that, coming in at number two. That must just burn you as a Ryder fan, eh? How does that feel? <laughs> uh, it burns like hot wings the morning after. Uh, <laughs> Cornish number two. Bo Levi Mitchell is number one. And I know as a Ryder fan, I'm not the biggest fan of Cornish, but Bo Levi Mitchell, I don't think I could hate the guy if I tried. He's a... Uh, 
He's a very, very cool ambassador for the league, and I love having him up here. And he looks like he's excited to be in Calgary for years to come. Now just wait till he goes out and says something about uh, he'll call you all a bunch of banjo-picking hillbillies or something, and then uh, you know we'll have to re-record this part where you go on, <laughs> I hate Bo Levi Mitchell. <laughs> John Cornish, man, he's just a treat to watch. Uh, You know what? As uh, I guess that was one thing with Winnipeg being in the East for so many years. I got to almost look at the West Division as a bit of an outside observer, and just watching him, he's just a treat. Um, Again, the only thing to be concerned of is uh, is those injury concerns because I think he strikes me as a guy, and I know a lot of guys will say, "Oh, it's uh, not toughness," blah blah blah. He strikes me as a guy that, especially when it comes to concussions and, and things like that, if he's not feeling right. He's not going to suit up, and all the respect in the world for him. For him, I, I've been a guy. We've mentioned the pod before. I've been through some concussion issues in my own life, but uh, you know what? That's that's one thing. Make sure you got Matt Walter if you're going to take John Cornish, just in case uh, he he does end up missing time again. Time for the fantasy expose on the Two and Out podcast. I have received some questions from some some beginners for CFL fantasy because. It, Let's be honest. It's not as accessible to see who is getting into the lineup every week. It's not as accessible to keep up with the injuries and things like that. So here we are. Eric Norwood, he hits the six-game injured list in Hamilton. It looks yep. like a d- defensive end Sam Scott will be taking the or was taking the first team reps at practice in his place. That is a big hit for that defensive line. Norwood is a beast. <laughs> Yeah, he has uh, consistently been uh, an absolute terror to quarterbacks, uh, especially in the East where quarterbacks are, may, especially with with Ricky Ray out right now and Jonathan Crompton just heading into year number two. Uh, that's a team that, uh, that the East is wide for quarterback eatery, if you will. So I do believe they're going to feel a little bit of impact uh, ha- having him there. But again, Ken Austin is much like John Huffnagel. They always just seem to find guys out of nowhere that always seem to fill the role. We'll see if that's that'll be put to the test again here. We did talk about it uh, a little bit earlier. Jason Vegas signing in Toronto. Dave Stalla, Brandon Whitaker as well. I don't know how much impact Stalla's going to have. I'm sure Vega will see the field, and I'm sure Whitaker will at some point this season. But they're also bringing in uh, Chad Cackert. <laughs> the cack is back. I know he's a fan favorite in Toronto. Oh, yeah. uh, he, he's run into some major injury concerns, and you got to remember when he was when he was playing before before the big injury that took him out. You know, at first there was correct me if I'm wrong, but was there there was a neck injury and then a broken ankle, or was it the other way around? Ooh, I, I can't remember the order of them. I do remember when he burst onto the scene and then for the 100th Grey Cup, and he, yep. that guy had some burst, but I, I think the neck must have been first. Yeah, I think it was the neck, and then he tried to come back from the neck, and then he ended up with a busted-up ankle, and now it looks like he's he's back from all that. I don't know if I'd be... Chad Cackard is an interesting name to me. Uh, he's one guy I'm definitely looking at in my keeper league uh, only because there's there's bigger rosters there and he's a guy that uh that you know is going to see some playing time eventually down the road. I just don't know how effective he's going to be. Again, that's the same league. I'm also saddled with Brandon Whitaker, so I better be looking at running backs that are at least somewhat healthy. Well, suddenly that offense looks pretty... There's a, there's not that many positions for all the talent they have available because there's Owens, there's Coombs, there's Dury. Dury. 
So <laughs> I think things are pretty packed there. It's going to be all of a sudden tough to be uh, seeing the 46 man for Toronto. Well, one thing for me with the fantasy implications, if you have Coombs on your roster, I don't know if I would be starting him just yet. The kid's got an absolute ton of upside, but obviously Toronto, by bringing in both Cackert and Whitaker, they're not entirely thrilled with what Coombs is giving them out of the backfield. So it looks like they're moving away from him there. Uh, I could see them maybe using him in, in some special packages and as a kick returner but uh, as far as a starting running back he's still got to earn that job and now he's got to beat some experienced CFLers to do it back to the Tiger Cats I think it's safe to say that that entire team is working with an injury (laughs) (laughs) the best part is is every other team in the preseason they play their starters to get them into the flow of the game and up to game speed and all that kind of good stuff the Tiger Cats do the exact opposite because they literally can't afford another injury yeah they're like do not play because because <laughs> we, we we're, we're out of guys. So Bakari Grant actually missed a couple days of practice this week, but it looks like he will be okay to play in the Grey Cup rematch. Which, by the way, the fifty fifty for that game. Did you hear this? Starts at one hundred one thousand six hundred and seventy dollars. Oh wow, a hundred and one thousand. Why so high? Well, October twenty fourth last year when they played Saskatchewan that. 50-50 unclaimed. So wow. they carried it over to this year. And we remember what happened last year in Edmonton. I call it the 50-50 bowl when <laughs> the, the pot was $348,000. I went just because I was a Ryder fan and I wanted to win this money. There's better odds there than the lottery. The best part was watching you in your Ryder's jersey uh, with all your pictures <laughs> of you with your 50-50. And me going, hey, uh, so one of those for me. You know, we could really buy some major advertising dollars with like 101000 <laughs> So I might have to drive up to Calgary and try to win that bad boy. That'd be awesome. Hey, man, you're right in the way of Edmonton and Calgary. I don't see why you don't. <laughs> you're really letting the team down if you don't here, Travis. Okay, I guess I'm going to have to go win that bad boy. Uh, no, here's, here's, what, here's what we do. I know what we do. We have a, a guy by the name of John, uh, James. He runs the Twine Time blog. He's in our fantasy. to lives out, in Calgary? Uh, James lives in Calgary. Oh, we got to send him some money to get us some 50-50 tickets. Let's wire him some money right now. Uh, <laughs> you know, he can be an honorary co-host. He can buy, he can buy the podcast for that. <laughs> all right, it's done. We're, we're going to send him some money. I'll even let him win uh, against us. I'll bench all our guys if he <laughs> buys us some tickets. <laughs> Staying in Calgary, uh, Corey Mace, he won't be playing this week. And then uh, off to Winnipeg, Mo Leggett, he's going to miss this week's game. He is a, he's a playmaker on defense for Winnipeg. It looks like I Demetrius know. Wright will be uh, taking uh, his spot in the lineup. Uh- I know, but having no mole means that I, I can't see. I I really hope my Blue Bombers beat the Riders, but uh, season opener, the way the Riders have started the past few years, obviously Corey Chamlin has training camp figured out because the Riders have started on fuego the past few years, and without Mo Leggett, uh, Winnipeg's already thin, kind of seemingly everywhere. But hey, you never know, crazier things have happened, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And in Edmonton, Armando Sewell looks like he is going to miss the game. And Kendall Lawrence may miss it as well. So uh, if you got Shakir Bell as a handcuff on your fantasy team, I don't think it's such a bad move. I think he's going to see some playing time this season. 
if you're in a deep league with a flex spot, I'd be throwing him in there uh, only because I think he's going to be on the roster. Uh, but uh, if, if you've got other running back options that you know for sure are going to start, I'd be going with those guys instead. Now, there's all kinds of fantasy formats to play. you got the Pick'em, and you also have the weekly leagues that TSN puts on. And I just went through, and I just want to drop some names if you're still looking to lock your picks in before tomorrow's game. Now, this is insane. Tyrell Sutton, he is cheaper than Jeremiah Johnson in Ottawa. (laughs) And he is cheaper than Stephen Logan. Oh, did I start him right now? Like, don't yes. don't even think about this. Wow, so he he has to be your running back. I think in TSN fantasy this week. Now for defense, I think you have to take Montreal against Ottawa. That is, I think, a no brainer. Montreal's got a heck of a defense. Yeah, uh, they do. They're deep there. Ottawa has uh, been proven to be turnover prone, but uh, I think Ottawa is going to be much improved this year, especially offensively. I think Henry Burris has some real weapons to work with uh, for the first time since, well, really, he left Calgary. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. I do like Montreal's defense, but uh, I still wouldn't cut out those uh, those Ottawa receivers. It's just you look at those names, and with Henry Burris still with a little bit of gas in the tank going... Jeez, they're going to be good. Montreal's defense is really going to have to play well. I could actually see Ottawa doing a lot of underneath routes, you know, with the speed that they have now in the receiving core. And I do want to talk about some receiving sleepers that you can uh, pick up in TSN Fantasy. Terrence Tolliver, Tequan Underwood. I like both of those guys from Hamilton, so keep an eye out on the depth charts. They usually come out about 24 hours in advance on the team's website. Now, Darvin Adams, Austin Colley, Joe West and Bakari Grant, uh, those guys are cheaper than Sam Jaguer, Kenny Stafford, Nick Lewis, and Taj Smith. Nice to see that whoever sets those salaries at TSN had uh, had a few drinks on uh, on a Sunday night. Let's get to the bold predictions for the season, John. I know I have one, but you have a big one. I have a doozy. When, when I texted this to you when we were doing show prep... Uh, you were like, are you really sure you want to say it? And I said, yes. Uh, <laughs> You're going to get I, manure dumped on your lawn. <laughs> oh, pro- well, my lawn does need some good fertilization. It's a little brown <laughs> right now, so I, I wouldn't care. Go ahead. Put poop on my lawn. So say uh, it over and over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, my bold prediction is, and again, these are bold predictions. These are things that I don't necessarily think could happen, but I could see happening. And my bold prediction is the Saskatchewan Rough Riders could very well be about 6-12 and 12 this year. Yeah, I, honestly, I look at them, and after the cuts in training camp, the age that they have on that team, I think it's kind of an all-or-nothing year. Well, that's it. The, to me, there's no in-between with Saskatchewan this year. Either we're going to have a, a year of Greg Marshall-like proportions or another year like 2013 uh, where they're great. I just I just don't see – they've got some bottom end pushing them a little bit, and we've got a little clearer picture now that they put out their practice roster. But if they suffer an injury – realistically, the only place they can suffer an injury and probably go along seamlessly – is a couple spots. One being quarterback. Obviously, Kevin Glenn is behind Darian Durant. Another one being safety. Keenan McDougal proved that uh, he can step up, not to an all-star level of Tyron Brackenridge, but and, and receiver along with you look at if one of those guys were to go down, I think there's some depth and talent behind them. But uh, that O-line is, is real thin right now. Uh, the linebacking core, I mean, if Shea Emery goes down, I don't know what the heck 
they're going to do. Uh, D-line's another deep spot for them, but you look at the age of a lot of their key contributors. Uh, Tierris George, John Chick, uh, all the entire receiving core is over 30. When you go Richardson, Taj Smith, uh, Weston Dressler, Rob Bag. All those guys over 30 years old in Saskatchewan. So you have to wonder what happens if these guys start losing your step or what happens if they get banged up. So for me, if Saskatchewan stays healthy, they're in contention to win the win the West. If they suffer an injury to or two, they could very this could very well be a disastrous season of Greg Marshall proportions uh, in Ryderville, a.k.a. Sergeant Slaughter. Doesn't he look <laughs> he like the Sarge? Listen up, you pukes. So, so if they go through another year like that, is uh, old Grandpa Ken Miller sitting around someplace to see does old Grandpa Ken's going to come back and fix this football team? By the way, he looks like classy Freddie Blassie, so... Uh... <laughs> Moral school wrestling Sergeant Slaughter and Freddie Blassie uh, running the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Oh, does his wife look like Sensational Sherry? <laughs> Is he going to walk in, or, or, or is there a Hulkamaniac someplace? <laughs> oh, anytime oh. I can fit wrestling into a CFL podcast, that's two of my greatest loves. I'm loving this. I, I know. I'm surprised you don't have a wrestling podcast as well. But, uh, Trav, back to football. How about you, man? What's your bold prediction? So my bold prediction is nothing to do with standings or anything like that. I say we see the first Canadian quarterback to start a CFL regular season game since 1996. Brandon Bridge, I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever. I have Jonathan Crompton in one of my leagues, and I'm I'm not sold on him. I'm not sold on him whatsoever. That's what I'm saying. Just look at who's in front of him on the depth chart. Now, in the second preseason game, Bridge only went one for four, but it was very, it was just exciting to watch him because they couldn't tackle him. They had pressure on him pretty much every single play because they had, you know, the third string offensive line out there, but he was able to evade the rush and he made plays happen. Now, the receivers there were dropping balls and things like that, but Bridge looked exciting, and I think he is going to be a starting quarterback in this league, and I could see it happening this year. I really, really am rooting for the kid. It's awesome to see a Canadian quarterback crack the roster. I couldn't agree more. I really hope it, I hope it becomes a thing, and I hope your bold prediction is correct. So how do you see the standings shaping up? So for me, the West, I've got Edmonton first, Calgary second, Saskatchewan third, then Winnipeg, and then B.C., uh, I, I've got Edmonton first. I think I'm going to take Calgary in second, but to me that comes down to their tiebreaker a couple of games. Uh, I do have Saskatchewan third, although my bold prediction does see them finishing back with the caveat if they're getting injured. I see Winnipeg finishing fourth and crossing over, and then I see BC as the final team in the West Division. Now, I don't think there's a single person that has Hamilton finishing <laughs> Out of first in the East Division. So I think we could both agree on that. However, I think the rest of the East is a lot closer than we think they are. I think it could go either way. Either way, I do have Montreal, then Toronto, and then Ottawa after Hamilton. I've got Hamilton. And I'm only going to say this because I want to see Tyrell, who's in our fantasy league, get a full wax. I'm going to go Ottawa in second place. (laughs) Followed by the Toronto Argonauts. I just don't, I think they're going to, uh, I, I can't see them uh, doing too much while Ricky Ray is gone. But 
whatever they have behind Ricky Ray, they're still going to have Ricky Ray at some point, and that's more than Montreal can say. I think Jonathan Crompton was a bit of a flash in the pan. I think it's going to be gone. I see Montreal uh, finishing last that division. So I have a couple over-under questions before we get to the picks. So I have said, now this is not Vegas official or anything, but I've said the over-under for the first four games of the regular season that they will have 800.5 penalty yards combined. (laughs) Are you taking the over or the under? (laughs) Five games regular season, 800. I'm going to take over because I think we're going to see a couple games creep over 200, but I think we're going to see most in that 150 range. I'm going to go over. So for the first week one is going to have over 800 penalty yards. Yes, in four games. I could actually see that. And that's the sad thing. And I think eight, 800 is actually generous. <laughs> <laughs> it very well could be. Will we see Ricky Ray before Labor Day? No. Will I'm... we see Travis Lule play more than 12 games? Yes. Is this the year of the comeback? Which comeback player will have the biggest impact. Jamel Richardson, Chad Simpson, or Terrence Jeffers-Harris? Terrence Jeffers-Harris if Travis Lule stays healthy. Wow. I think that is an interesting one to watch. He's had a great camp, and he hasn't done anything for, what, three years? He was so good in Winnipeg, though. I mean, I remember watching this kid when he burst out on the scene with the Blue Bombers. He came out of nowhere. I don't know where he's been spending the last three years in exile. Maybe he's been living under a rock or finding himself or <laughs> wandering the woods. Maybe he got in a fight with a grizzly bear and he just dug himself out of the woods. But uh, I really, I, I do see Terrence Jeffers Harris. I think uh, BC, they lost a couple receivers. Uh, most most teams are going to give the attention to Manny Arsenault, which means you're going to open up uh, a guy like uh, Jeffers Harris for a second look. That is awesome. Let's get to the picks. It's everyone's favorite game show. Are you smarter than two overweight Canadian podcasters? Pick the weekly winners in the CFL on Facebook or Twitter at 2 and Out CFL. All right, this is awesome. So, of course, sign up on our Pick'em group, cfl.ca. We will tweet that out again. Of course, the games start tomorrow. It is real. I feel like I've been waiting for two years for football to come back. But Ottawa versus Montreal, who do you got winning? I've got the Ottawa Red Blacks taking that one in an upset over the Montreal Birdies. Ooh, I've got the Alouettes. So, so you've got the Alouettes beating the All Caps. Yes. All right. You know why? You know why? You know why the Alouettes are going to lose because their creepy inflatable mascots just give me the jibblies. Like, just get a normal mascot suit. Because I swear, one day when you're you just see that thing like wandering down, like sauntering down the the alley behind you. Maybe you know you go into an alley to try to escape, and it's always there. It's always watching. It's the Alouettes mascot. I definitely wouldn't want to mess with those uh, those lumber. Joe's in Ottawa. Those guys are the real deal. <laughs> they are. They wear flannel and they carry an axe. So based on the fact that the Ottawa All Caps have a significantly better mascot, we're going to go with the All Caps over the creepy inflatable birds. So next week, maybe we have to do mascot wars. <laughs> <laughs> Gainer the gopher wins. Hands down. Oh, yeah. Hands down. Uh, he digs holes. He digs holes. That'll break ankles left and right. However, unless Buzz and Boomer for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers can like get him out of one of his holes, coax him out, and then the other one, bam, with a crowbar. 
Well, the Eskimos do have a polar bear in Nanook, too, so that's that's pretty scary. N- Nanook is a possessed football. A polar bear will rip you to shreds, so... <laughs> like, how, uh, how, how do you kill an inanimate object that has no feelings? <laughs> Uh, the football. Too ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move to the next pick. Hamilton, the, Calgary, Friday night. Who do you the got? The 50-50 bowl. The 50-50 bowl. You can't pick the 50-50 as a winner of that game. So it starts at 101,000, which I think is incredible. Of course, it is a Grey Cup rematch. Hamilton coming into this game just banged up i i can't see them beating calgary at all it's it's all stampeders for me does that horse still run every time the stamps have a touchdown because you might want to start giving it like massage and like stretching it now (laughs) because it's going to be running the whole night hamilton's banged up uh they're going to do some good things i could see this being a very high scoring game but i think calgary is going to come out on top they're much healthier than the tiger cats right now and let's face it those two teams in the gray cup battled to essentially within one illegal block penalty but i just don't i don't see the same thing happening here although watching banks with the new rules is get get your popcorn ready travis cura i'm taking you calgary might score half of their touchdowns this year <laughs> He might end up so exhausted that he just ends up laying down in the back of the end zone. Guys, that's my third one. I ran back. I'm good. I just... (laughs) Somebody carry me. Now we go up north, the northern kickoff two, where the Toronto Argonauts are home to the Edmonton Eskimos. Oh, the Pan Am games. Oh, yeah. I can't wait till they get in BMO Field because that is bad. Um... (laughs) I can't see Edmonton losing this game. Uh, some reason, I look at these picks and I'm like, something is going to shock us. I don't think it's this game. I told you, it's the all-caps beating the uh, the wacky-waving, inflatable-waving tube man. Well, um, I tell you what, if, if Ottawa wins this game, I am on that bandwagon because we only need 11 more wins. Yeah, let's let Tyrell to, uh, of course, in the 2 and out CFL podcast, Fantasy League, to get uh, the old Brazilian. That'll be awesome. Well, I got to say, the Edmonton Eskimos are going to win a northern kickoff to Electric Boogaloo very easily. Uh, <laughs> uh, they're my pick. Now, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, my favorite rivalry in the Canadian Football League. Usually we're waiting until Labor Day for this. but Nope. Let's get it out of the way early. Yeah, isn't that awesome? Uh, I think at home, it's uh, the green and white. I'm only going to do this once. This is the only time I'm going to do this. I'm going to flat out pick with my heart because it's the first week of the season. I'm a Blue Bomber fan. You're a Ryder fan. You, at the end of this game, will be crying into your Pilsner. (laughs) The Blue Bombers pull the upset in Saskatchewan. Oh, at least I'm drinking that instead of Labatt Blue. That stuff's brutal. Well, that what are you? No, 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 no. Let's get a let's let's get a let's get a blind taste test between a blue and a pill, and I can tell you, one hundred percent of the people won't like that swamp water that is pill. Okay, okay. The half the best thing that Mosaic Stadium ever did was start selling something other than pill. I was there the other night. I could buy a Molson Canadian. It was tasty on my lips. Pill just. Blah, blah, blah. Who am I kidding? I just go for the pink drink at Mosaic. <laughs> that stuff is magical. Oh, it is. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm just happy that football is 
here. So there are picks locked in. Are you smarter than an overweight Canadian podcaster? Get them in. Pick'em.cfl.ca and join the two and out CFL podcast league. And the beautiful part of this part of the season is that everyone is tied. Whether you're in fantasy football or in real life, we're all tied for first. Love it. And just like our podcast is tied for first among CFL podcasts, named the two and out CFL podcast as voted on by my mother. <laughs> but we're also tied for last. <laughs> Fraser and Kura signing off. We'll talk to you next week. It's the two and out CFL podcast. Make sure you rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. Talk to you next week. <laughs>